you, if you would, at um, Acts 2, 42. We're just going to read it. We're going to focus on 45, but just for context to see all the different things that have that we have talked about and will be talking about. So, it says this in Acts 2, 42. Um, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everybody was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. And this is the key verse for the day. They sold property and possessions to give to, to, to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So Luke, who's the writer of this book, uh, expresses this practical outworking of this fellowship, this union that they have in Christ, uh, namely in this verse, the extraordinary sharing and mercy ministry that they had towards one another. And we're going to see as we follow through Acts, this is stuff that was taking place in the church and stuff that was taking place outside the church. Okay? So there's a, there was a kind of sense of, uh, we must do this amongst ourselves, but of course we want to do it to all those uh, around us. When we read this, we mustn't read that this is the, the early church moving into communism. Um, you might think, oh, they sold all their possessions, they counted nothing as their own, is, is, this, is this communism? No, I, I don't think so. Okay? I don't think that's what it's uh, seeking to claim. Uh, I think the idea that they were able to give it away meant that it, they recognised it was theirs to, to, to give away. Uh, no, they were just radical in their personal and corporate generosity. And I think this came from recognising that all things that we have come from God. Okay? All things that we have come from God. We're told in the Psalms, God is the maker of the heavens and earth. Everything belongs to him. And I think something must have happened when the, when the Holy Spirit started to speak to them. They started to see their possessions in a different way. Okay? Now remember, they have a history uh, of possessions being passed down from family to family to family. So they kind of had a, a sense of, you know, kind of generosity within their family. Um, already, so there wasn't a new concept generosity, but this radical generosity to all was okay. And they, 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 something must have happened in their minds to recognise: okay, we are stewards of the things of God, okay, and our possessions, whether it be in this case, some sometimes there was some house, there was some land uh, that, that we we read later on that they, they people sold and, and gave. Whatever it was, they recognised that there was a greater need for other people than to just keep things for themselves. So, it's not communism, it's much more like this radical generosity. 
Uh, it's like thinking, think, put it like this way. It's like thinking, if I've got it and I don't need it and other people need it, why wouldn't I give it? Does that make sense? It's like, or maybe it's questioning, why has God given this to me? Has he given it to me just for me? Because that's maybe the way in which we might approach our possessions or our money or our finance or whatever we might inherit at some point. Is this being given for me? For me? Or for those in my close family? Or is this being given for me to steward for others? I think we recognise they, they, they saw. No, God has given this to me to steward for others. And I think there was a sense in which their hearts were broken for the needs of their brothers and sisters. You know? Their hearts were broken for the needs of their brothers and sisters. Remember we talked about this koinonia, this uniting in one fellowship, like one body. They now start to see everybody as their family who were believers. Maybe think about your, your family right now. Um, maybe there are some folks in your, in, in your family and you know, think about them being in need. No, I, I don't mean um, just like a petty need, but just being in need. Would any of us here not give up something for our family if they were genuinely in need? I think we probably all. We'd probably instantly feel the desire to, 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 to sacrifice something so that, so that our family might have something if they were in need. Well, this is the sort of thing that took place in them. It, it just started to grow up, this love, this fellowship, this care for one another. So, um, uh, yeah, we, so we start to see this uh, coming up now. And I think... It's important to think that, because some of this, when we say it, we might, it could sound quite heavy, couldn't it? Are you being generous enough? You know? Maybe we're all sitting there thinking that, oh dear, I'm just not generous enough. I wish I was generous enough. I wish I had that feeling towards other people where I, I really wanted to give, but I actually don't want to, you know, I don't want to give. I'm, I'm often thinking about my own worries and not the worries of, of other people. Well, I think... That's fairly normal for us, isn't it? Uh, I'm not saying that's acceptable. I'm just saying that's fairly normal for us. I want us to see that their hearts were changed. God was doing something in them and God wants to do something in us to change our hearts towards one another and to one another's need. Um, So this kind of practice of being generous to those within the family and those... Um, outside of the family is actually, we see it all the way through the Bible. Why? Because God is a generous God. Do you know that? Our God is a generous God. He's a God of grace. And so the, the motivation here, okay, for this radical generosity is the grace of God. And we will look in the Old Testament, we see that he wrote these kind of generous things into his laws. So if you, if you ever want to read Leviticus, go to 19 or 25, you're going to see laws that are written down that to help those who are poor and oppressed, who, are, who have fallen on hard times, to be looked after. So the gleaning laws, which means if you had a field, 
you didn't lean right up to the edge of your boundaries. You left, you left the corn there so that those who were in difficulties could take that corn and have a life, you know, be, be looked after. God's a generous God. He's got a heart for those who do not have stuff and who are in, in, in need. Um, and you can read through that. But also, and quite honestly, uh, we see God's generos- generosity most in him sending his own son for us, don't we? Because we may be talking about physical needs being met here, but we see the generosity of God in meeting our spiritual needs. The Bible teaches us that we were in dire need, utter need, to be rescued and saved. That God gave his one and only son so that we might receive life and eternal life. This shows the generosity of God. And again, not just to his friends, but to his enemies. And so as we think about what does it mean to be generous amongst ourselves and generous to the world, you know, we're seeing that God is generous even to his enemies. You know, uh, we're told... um, Oh, goodness me. I've forgotten the passage now. It was in my mind about giving a cloak. Somebody else help me out here. Yeah, that's right. If you have two cloaks, give one to another. I think there's another one. If someone asks for this, give them this as well. I'm sorry. I just Two miles, okay. And that's about carrying the, 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 the kit of somebody who was in the army um, uh, to take you two miles. Anyway, sorry, I, I, I'm, I've forgotten that passage slipped out of my, my mind uh, but this, genero- this God, of, uh, God of generosity we see it all the way through the pages all the way through the stories uh, in, in, in the Bible that God is a generous God now I want you to see a few things about this generosity and turn with me because these will keep on coming back to these passages so 2 Corinthians 9 6 to 15 2 Corinthians 9 6 to 15 So please open your Bibles there, and we will read through this. But I want you to see here Paul talking about the type of generosity that we are to have. So he says this, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely uh, scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the need of the Lord's people, but also overflowing many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proven yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies 
your confession of the gospel of Christ and your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given to you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And then in a chapter earlier, in the same book, he says, uh, same letter, he says this, I want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe testing of affliction, their, abund- their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favour of taking part in the relief of all the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they, get, they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. So, in both of these passages we see this idea of the grace of God. The only thing that will motivate us to be generous is the grace of God, reading and receiving the grace of God. It says this in in that chapter 8. I want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. God has been doing something. God's grace has been coming upon the Macedonians. He explains, this is what happened. They, they basically have nothing, but they begged us to take part in giving, not because they had, they, in fact, they gave beyond their means to help the saints who were having a, you know, having a famine in a different place than themselves. So these people who had very little begged to take part. Why? Because of the grace of God the grace of God at working them. Okay? And that grace of God that was at working them is rooted in them becoming these new people. These people who God now takes residence. They'd received grace. They were thankful for their grace. They saw that all the things that they had had come from God, both their spiritual blessings and their physical blessings, and they wanted to pass this blessing on to others. We see that in verse uh, in, in chapter 9 um, and um, in verse 11 it says you will be enriched in every way so you can be generous on every occasion so he's just been talking about God is the one who supplies so he who supplies uh, the seed and the bread for food will also increase your seed and enlarge your harvest of righteousness so we know it's not just talking about you know, physical seed here. We're talking about spiritual seed, spiritual investment that God is making in us. And he's saying, look, as the grace of God makes that spiritual investment in you, what's it going to do? It's going to produce a harvest of righteousness in your life. And as it produces a harvest of righteousness, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Do you see the pattern here? I just want you to see, it's really, if, we're, if we're struggling to be generous, or to even see the needs of others, it's because we first need to take hold of the grace of God and give thanks to God for that grace. Maybe you're even receiving it, 
Maybe you even have received it. But we're not giving thanks. The more we give thanks, the more our eyes are lifted up, the more we see the needs around us, the more we want to meet our brothers and sisters' needs and the needs of the world around us. So maybe if we're struggling to be generous, let's lift our heads up. Let's lift our heads up to one who has given us every spiritual blessing. The one who is able to meet our every need. We're told here that there's a, there's a reality to this. If we sow sparingly, we reap sparingly. We sow generously, we reap generously. So the motivation of our radical generosity is that it is the grace of God. God's work in us will lead us to be those who give. Now let me just describe to you this nature of, or the characteristics of this radical generosity. And it comes up throughout these passages, but, but let me just pull out a few words in this. So, in verse 6 of chapter 9, it says, sparingly and generously. Okay, so one of the things, uh, the characteristics of, of, of this is that it's generous. There's not reluctance or under compulsion, which means it's given freely, and it later says they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor and their righteousness. So this is not something that anybody can make you do. If this sermon, at the end of it, makes you feel like you must do something because you feel guilty, you've missed the point. All our giving must come from the overflow of our heart. must come from thankfulness. Do you make sense? This is, this is the generosity that God wants to see in his people. He, says, he doesn't want to see this kind of legalistic generosity. Oh, I must give my time because if I don't, I'll be seen as a bad Christian. Or I must give 10% because I've read that in the law. I don't really want to, but I know that just to be you know, a good Christian, 10% is the minimum that's expected of a financial uh, giving. Uh, I must do it. Oh, I've read it in the Bible that I really should welcome in the strangers, but you know what? I don't really want to welcome in, but just to make my, just so that I can show that, you know, that I am a Christian, I must do these things. No, no, these things must come as it overflow. It doesn't take away the, the, the calling to do it, but we don't do it so that we look good or do it so that God loves us. We know he loves us. We do it for the overflow of our heart. So it must be freely given. It, it, it must be voluntary. It must be joyful. If we're giving our time and then we mutter under our breath, goodness me, I wish I didn't have to do that. Oh, goodness me. Someone's making my life difficult by asking me to do something. I mean, I, I'll serve, but I'll only, I'll, only, I'll only serve as it suits me. Where, where, where's the joyfulness? and the generosity that should be bubbling up from us because of what Christ has done in us. So this is the sort of giving that God wants from us. Free, voluntary, sacrificial, joyful, generous uh, giving. Read this in chapter 8 just to reinforce this idea of the overflow of thankfulness. Um, verse 2 in chapter 8 of 2 Corinthians, in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy 
and their extreme poverty, that's two combinations you didn't expect to see, did you? Uh, their extreme poverty and their abundance of joy combined, what? In an overflow of the wealth of generosity. Overflowed in the wealth of generosity. All our generosity must be the overflow of our thankfulness for the grace of God that's been at work in us. Because he loved us, first we love him. Because we love him, we love others. Because he is the supplier of all things in in our life, we are able to freely give those things away. I think there's one other thing that we must, or um, uh, description that we must take hold of, is that almost every bit of giving is sacrificial. It costs something. Yeah? You have something, you don't have something. It costs you it. Might cost you time, might cost you space, might cost you comfort. Uh, it costs something. Why do we know that? Because we know it costs Christ something. You know, he, you know, we are seeing his model of generosity and we know that it costs him. Okay, one other thing to say on, on this. Uh, I want us to make sure, make sure that we've got good time for some discussions. When God, the grace of God's at work in us, not only does it um, stir uh, this overflow of, uh, of generosity, it also highlights uh, or brings up an extreme sensitivity to one another's needs. Okay? So it's interesting, if we read through Acts, what we're going to see is they started to see the needs of one another that maybe they didn't see before. So not only does it stir our hearts to be generous, we start to see the ways in which we can bless one another. We become sensitive to the needs around us. Those needs press on our heart and they become more important to us and more significant to us. And we think to ourselves, how can we help? What can we do? Interestingly, in the, in the early Testament, we see that no one was permitted to go to bed hungry. If you read through Acts, we're going to hear that being said. People were not permitted to go to bed hungry. No one was to spend time living on the streets. They were all to have a, a bed for the night. And this church showed and displayed this kind of kindness and mercy, not just to those inside the church, but to those outside the church. And not just to those who are part of the Jewish um, part of Christianity, but also the Gentiles. I don't know if you remember, but the, the Gentile women come uh, to the leaders of the church and they say, hey, our widows, we think they're being overlooked. And they said, that's not right. You should not be overlooked. And so they set apart... Stephen and some others to make sure that they were being taken care of that no one was to be overlooked this is a sort of radical generosity this is a sensitive part that the spirit of God stirs within us when we continue to ponder and receive and believe in the grace of God it makes us uh, generous and sensitive to those in need and then I just want to say one other thing of this, because I think, 
you know, this might sound like it's all give, 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 but there, there is something here that God wants you to see. There's a, there's a pattern he wants you to, to highlight. Uh, and that is that as we give, we, and this is not our motivation, but this is like the, the sort of, um, what do you call it? The, the after effects of our generosity is that we ourselves are blessed. We ourselves are blessed. Read this in um, verse 8 of chapter 9. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So God's saying, listen, if you want to grow in joy, you want to grow in thankfulness, you want to grow in every spiritual gift, as you're being generous, that will work in you to produce an abundant blessing in your own life. I'm not saying that you should do it just to get it. I'm just saying that that's what God will do. God will not be outgiven. Yeah? I, 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 I believe that God will not be outgiven in your life. If you are generous to other people, he will come and be generous to you. I can't tell you in what way or how he will do it. It's like for like. I can't promise any of that stuff. All I can promise you is that God is a God that cannot be outgiven. And he wants to bless you and help you in your need. So that's one of the impacts of the generosity. But the second impact of generosity, and we'll be coming to talk about these in two and three weeks' time, is this. That as they sold their possession and they gave to everyone who was in need, we read in verse 47 this, that they enjoyed the favour of all people and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So our generosity meets practical needs in people's lives, but has a spiritual impact in the community around us. Describe two things here. Favour. That people thought about them and saw them um, and said, look, what they're doing, these people are doing, is great. There's something about these people. We don't know what or why or how, but there's favour. And then, they, um, people were being saved. So people were seeing their works and their acts and saying, there must be something about this. And as they find out, found out, as people explained to them, the reason for their generosity, the reason why they were living like this, people were being saved. So, let me encourage you, God has done something in you that's amazing. And God's grace is there for us, day after day, day after day. And as we take hold of the reality of what Christ has done for us, it will lead us and is leading us to become increasingly generous in all that we have. God wants that for us. He wants us to be generous people. Why? Because he is a generous God. That motivation leads us to give freely, to give voluntarily, to give sacrificially, to give joyfully, and to give generously. Not under compulsion, not because we should, but because we want to. And my prayer for, for us as God's people is that he would stir up within us a passion and a desire for radical generosity amongst us. Not just a little generosity, but radical generosity increasing generosity. And God does this over time. 
often increasing our generosity. As we more we step out in faith, the more we believe him, the more we're able to be generous. I believe that God wants to do that in us.